Hey everybody, Andrea here. Welcome back to another episode of The Bind. Well, the last time we were together, we started talking about the concept of self-worth and enoughness. Now, I've been thinking for a little while since I recorded my last session, what would be something really important to talk about on the journey of self-worth and enoughness? Because this is a thing that many people want to change in their life but a thing that oftentimes people get stuck in knowing how to become different from the way that they're used to be. One of the things that I think would be a good place for you to introspect and, uh, you know, introspection is reflection. So introspect and reflect is perhaps pointing out those areas in your life in which if you did make changes, how difficult would it be for you not to feel like you're betraying old parts of yourself? So what do I mean by this? It's kind of hard to talk about in terms unless you've gone through it. Now, if you're going through it, my clients really have no problem recognizing this. But if you're just beginning the journey, this might not make a whole lot of sense. So I'm going to try to talk us through it. And then you, as you know, you guys are always welcome to reach out on my, my website, thebindpodcast.com and ask me questions. And I can do my best to either on a forum respond to that, or uh, I can probably make another podcast, like a short podcast response of that. This idea of being okay with betraying other parts of yourself. A lot of times when we are used to existing in a culture or a tribe in one kind of way, it becomes really difficult to assume a new role and a new identity because it almost feels like a sense of betrayal. Uh, I almost feel like I should do like a YouTube video to demonstrate a diagram of what it looks like or how it plays out. But essentially... When you start walking in a new kind of way, you have to get used to people not knowing how to respond to you. And usually with that comes a set of boundaries that you have to be really firm on in order to keep people from expecting you to subscribe to the way they've always known you. And if I'm being honest about it, probably the way you've always known yourself. It's actually a lot easier to think of this concept in terms of the negative before we turn it around to benefit us in the positive. I was just thinking a really good example of this would be if you are somebody who has a good friend or relative or spouse or child, I guess if they're your child, they're your relative, who may have suffered a traumatic brain injury. A lot of times when people suffer from TBI, they come back to us differently after they recover from the accident. There are just parts of their brain that have been altered by the injury and as a result they can't function quite the same way as what we anticipate to be normal about them. When those changes occur for that individual, the ones who are in relationship with him or her incur a loss as well. We can usually count on an anticipated identity of a person to know how they flow in relationship with us. When that goes away, when that changes because of that injury, it comes with this series of losses for the individuals who are in the relationship with them. So it's a loss for the one who suffered, and it's a loss for the ones who are in relationship with the one who suffered that change. 
Now, you got to be careful because as I go into this example, we can't assume that all changes that people make lead to suffering uh, in the terms that we typically think of it. But I would speculate that when somebody goes to make a change, whether it is in the positive or in the negative, there is indeed a sense of suffering that comes along with that. Because just like people don't quite know how to adjust to the changes that are taking place for someone who may have suffered an injury such as TBI, people often also don't know how to adapt to the changes an individual is making for the positive, like a conscious decision to change self. It's very foreign because as people, we kind of get in these habits within our tribes or relationships that tell us what we can anticipate. In fact, this is often how uh, what are called positive feedback loops start in family systems. Now, it's kind of backwards because a positive feedback loop is, um, it's actually a negative thing. Uh, When I was studying this, it was so confusing to me. But a positive feedback loop is when you get into a circular dance with somebody or a couple of people in a family system and you get so accustomed to that dance that... um, you all just kind of expect the pattern to repeat itself. So if a common fight is you spend too much money and the person says, I know I need to be better, and then they go out a week later and spend $1,000 and you say, you always do this, you spend so much money, I know, I'm so sorry, I'll change, I'll be different, and that happens over and over again, it's a loop. So it's called a positive feedback loop because people have learned how to dance in it and it keeps happening. It's much the same. Humans are kind of predictable in this matter because we typically know what we can anticipate or expect of one another. And there's some comfort in that. Even if it's not a good situation, even if we don't actually like the outcome, there's still comfort in the devil that we know. And this is what we're talking about here. Now, you could be somebody who just needs to make some positive changes for yourself And the system you're part of isn't altogether negative, but there are just enough things that you want to see different in your own life that you need for that change to occur. And so people are not necessarily on board because they don't know they need to be on board. And nor would we expect an individual to outwardly communicate to somebody, hey, I'm making some changes and you should anticipate that you're going to have to change the way you interact with me as well. Yeah, people don't do this. You know this and I know this. Changes, and especially the the longevity type of changes, typically happen in an organic fashion where a person first notices a pattern that they don't like and then they subtly begin to notice it happening more and more and more. And then that individual might actually reflect on why they're doing what they're doing. And I feel like we'll probably make our next podcast about that very thing, like how to get in there and find the why behind things and track it. Because people get very frustrated easily when they think they should just automatically change a thing about themselves, but they don't actually know the steps of the process and that the process is quite slow and could take, sometimes it can take a year or more to really fully change something that you want to be different about yourself and then also embrace the change to where you lock it in and make it a long-term life transition. Think of it in terms of being more of a journey rather than waking up one day and kind of like succeeding at the New Year's resolution. So let's go ahead and jump into this. 
a great example of noticing this in yourself is if you happen to be somebody who has a set of friends, maybe a set of friends from high school or a set of friends from your college years, and they were excellent friends and they served such an amazing purpose in your life at one point in time. And then, of course, just as we should, we graduate from high school and we graduate from college. And a lot of times, those are times in life in which people scatter. Every now and again, somebody or a few people will linger and stay part of the system. But for the most part, those are systems that are designed to be scatter systems in which individuals are impacted by one another for a period of time in life and then they go out into the world and probably for the most part lose touch other than the occasional social media check-in. That's probably a little bit more new to this generation and a couple generations prior than um, like think of people who were maybe born in the 50s or prior, some of those individuals were into high school reunions or maybe even college reunions. And um, people in our generations might still do that to a degree, but I think social media has kind of like taken the place of that for a lot of different individuals. So you are part of a tribe that is designed to scatter and you're still holding on to the roles and identities of that tribe. In fact, you might even think back on certain people who were part of that tribe and you might think upon them fondly or you might think upon them not so fondly. Like I can think back to individuals that I went to high school with and um, I still cringe. And, you know, the funny thing is, is I haven't really talked to these people in 20 years or so. Um... No, it's probably more like 14 years. Uh, let's be honest, I haven't been out of school quite that long yet. It feels like it though. But I, I might look on them and I might think negatively, but for all I know, that person could actually be an awesome human being today. I just hold them in my mind as somebody that I don't care to know and uh, they carry such negative connotations for me. I'm sure each of you are kind of thinking of that person or the one you think of fondly and you kind of wonder how they're doing or have a somewhat of an interest in checking in on them just to see what's going on in their life today. And sometimes there are actually excellent friendships that were so sacred and because of you the different directions that individual in lives there was but just a natural scattering uh, that happened. And so distance was cultivated because of the different directions that you took in your lives. You ended up going opposite of one another or losing touch as far as physical presence is concerned. And so what you might do is, let's say some years have passed by and you get back in touch with that individual and you coordinate time so that way the two of you can get back together. And what happens in that time is naturally, just by the very nature of living life, you end up changing. You can't not change. You know, we always hear this quote, people don't change. That is, for the most part, baloney. I suppose in some regards, people have a lot of difficulty changing. But for the most part, people change. We just change gradually and progressively. And as we grow different parts of us begin to form. I mean, if you don't believe me, think about it. Like how many people do you know changed when they got married? How many people do you know changed when they had 
their first child and then their second child. How many people change when they have a career change? People are always changing. It's just that it happens so slowly and a person forms into or molds into the new part of their self that um, some of the underlying parts of an individual seem to remain the same. And I'm talking about like certain behaviorisms, but for the most part, we really are shifting who we are and how we interact with people and what people um, really jive with who we are at any given time. And sometimes we grow apart. And this is what we're talking about here is when you get back together with that long lost friend, uh, you might actually feel kind of bizarre because while you love spending the time you are with that individual, you may also notice yourself reverting back to that younger part. And um, like, think of it, like, have you ever been, let's say that you graduated from high school and you left that really close friend and now like 10 or 14 years have passed by and you coordinate the time and you go be back together again only to realize you feel like you're that 16 or 17 year old kid again and it just feels weird. In fact, once you leave spending time with that friend, you might even reflect and be like, who the heck was I? That was so bizarre. In fact, I don't like being that person that I was with this individual. And they too have changed. And you may not know how to spend time with or align with the new part that they are as well. This is not to say that this is every single case. So if you're sitting there and you're reflecting, you're like, oh my goodness, my old best friend and I are just as close as we were back then. That's great. That's not a bad thing. Uh, it just means that that relationship sustains even the shifts that you made as a growing adult. Not a bad thing at all. And that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is the individuals who are able to notice that and feel that slight tinge of betrayal when you become an old part of yourself to accommodate the old relationship and you recognize that you're far different now than you were back then. If it resonates with you, you can use this as a good example to understand this is why we feel bizarre when we start going through changes because as we make shifts for our lives to grow in some sort of way to better some sort of part of our identity and sometimes it doesn't always happen in the betterment uh, but we're going to try to keep it easy to to talk about the example when we make those changes we don't always necessarily know how to cope with the new part of who we are and the betrayals we feel like we might even feel a sense of guilt like if you are so disaligned from who that long lost friend was that um, you you almost feel guilty or bad that you can't be the same friend today that you once were able to be, that's quite normal. Uh, because what you're recognizing there is that uh, that that space is what I call uh, betrayal. Picture a Venn diagram. If you don't know what a Venn diagram is, it's two circles that overlap uh, at the tangent points where they would meet. And some of the things in the old self are going to be different from some of the things in the new self. And in that space in between, the pieces that still keep you connected, it, they start to acknowledge the things that disconnect you. And that, that in-between space really feels like a betrayal to most people. They don't know how to transition from old self to new self and feel genuine about it. That, that can be one of the most difficult obstacles for a person to overcome. Am I willing to sacrifice the self I once knew to become the self that I would like to be to cultivate the changes that I want for my life? 
This is such an awesome concept when you start to see it and work with it in real time, but it also comes with great grief sometimes. When we choose to make changes for who we want to be, at times that may come with loss, loss of parts of who we once were, as well as loss of people that we hold dearly. And that doesn't mean that you let go of the person fully, but it means that you can't quite sit with that person in the same way that you once could. And so that's why these changes, these new parts of self and self-identity are really hard to grapple with when we talk about increasing that sense of self-worth. There's a system of betrayals that happens that even though you didn't necessarily love the one that you've known yourself to be so far, you don't know how to not be her without causing collateral damage. And this is what we're having to work with is learning how to be acceptant of the losses and not so protective of the other people who are impacted by our own system that we're afraid to move. Because then what you're going to do is you're going to have those loops that we talked about at the beginning of the session where you you acknowledge a change needs to take place, you voice that a change needs to take place, but you, just like the other who isn't changing, are equally guilty of perpetuating that loop. And so today, I know we're about to wrap up here, what I want to encourage you to do is to start thinking through ways those positive feedback loops, those positive feedback loops exist in your own life and take charge of what you are doing when you go towards somebody and tell them the things they're not willing to change in their life that you need to see different. I need for you to reflect and think of the things that you equally have not been willing to change and uh, really sit with because remember, We said this at the beginning of the session, genuine change in most terms happens very slowly and it takes a whole lot of introspection and willingness to acknowledge the fears you have in moving forward and being different. That is the bargain, that this is the loss that comes, is you stand to lose something and you may not actually want to lose the thing that you fear you might lose. We really love and hate the devil that we already know. It is safe, but it may be despised, but at least it is predictable. Go in and do some of that self-reflective work in which you can start to evaluate the areas in your own life where you notice you hold back from the change that you believe needs to take place in order for things to be different for you, for you to start establishing that sense of self-worth. Once you can do that introspective self part, you begin to adhere to your boundaries more firmly. And uh, I will not promise you that the outcome with with all relationships is going to be great, but you will learn how to stand up for your boundaries more easily, which can be a huge step in moving forward with, um, with that personal growth piece that you are saying you're you're longing to see in your life. I really hope that this was helpful today. We'll keep going on this journey of self-worth, see where we land with it, see if you get some really good um, pieces that you can start to apply bit by bit to your life. Just remember, be kind to yourself and remember that these journeys do not happen instantaneously. This is not a New Year's resolution. This is an ongoing process 
and acknowledgement of your own identity and who you desire to be. I cannot wait until we jump into our next session. I hope you all have an awesome week and I'll see you. I'll see you soon. All right. I guess I'll speak to you soon. Be well, everybody. Thank you.